We keep hearing about food shortages. We hear this not just from the preparedness community or self-reliant friendly areas of the internet, but also from the mainstream media. If food shortages are coming and you want to be prepared, you need to get moving. But what if you don't have the money to stockpile a big room full of freeze-dried long-term food storage? Let's dive into this topic in this episode. Hey, this is episode 799 of the Ready Your Future podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you prepare for a better future. I'm Todd Sepulveda, a regular guy living in the suburbs who understands the need to be better prepared for the future. Hey, are you seeking to enhance your preparedness knowledge, but you find yourself caught in the constant hustle and bustle of life? Look no further. The Top Preparedness Articles is your personalized collection of curated articles delivered directly to your inbox every Saturday in a newsletter format. For just $5 a month, you can stay informed and empowered without missing a beat. And if you're always on the go, you can conveniently save the articles you can't afford to miss to the Pocket app, transforming them into your very own on-the-fly preparedness podcast. By subscribing to TPA, you're not only enriching your own readiness, but also supporting Ready Your Future. You'll find the link to the top preparedness articles in the show notes. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ready Your Future podcast. Hey, I'm putting this one out a day late. I just could not get to the recording, had some issues that I needed to take care of uh, this weekend. And, uh, you know, I hated not being able to do that. I I believe that consistency is very important and being able to have the podcast released on the, you know, on the day that I normally always have it, but things happen. So uh, I hope you uh, will uh, give me a little break on that one. I greatly appreciate it. Hey, on this Saturday prep, that which is the email that I send out to everybody on the email list, and if you're not on the email list, you want to go ahead and be a part of that. I, uh, Like I said, I release that every Saturday. I put out a, a little survey just to get a pulse for what people are thinking and, and what they're trying to prep for. And there was responses that caught my eye because they were similar in the way that they were concerned about preparing food, right? And one of it, one of them was about, you know, they didn't have money enough. They didn't feel like they had enough money to prepare for, for stockpiling the food that they felt they needed. So one of the articles that was in the top preparedness articles uh, that was released is the article of this episode, which comes to us from prepperswill.com and the title of Food Preps When You Lack Money. So I thought that it would be a really great episode or a really great article to uh, share on this episode. And so I'm going to go ahead and read it and then we'll come back in uh, at the end and just share other commentary But I think food is going to be one of those things that is going to be important. Like we have all the prepper gadgets, the bug out bag, the this, the that, all the things, the the knife, the, you know, the the hammer and nails as, uh, you know, so many people refer to them. And then it comes down to we want to make sure we have food. I mean, that's got to be one of the number one things because you can survive with you know all the other without all the other things but food is going to be one of those things like like you're going to want you're going to need and uh, so stockpiling food or knowing what you uh, how you can uh, do it on a on a low income is going to be one of those things that would be very helpful for people and even if you're not on you know a very fixed income or low income um, being able to prep and then know what you can get and make your money go further and stretch, it might mean the difference between 
prepping for three months and then prepping for like six or seven months. So um, let's go ahead and jump into this article. Again, it comes to us from PreppersWill.com and it's entitled Food Preps When You Lack Money. So let's go ahead and start. Many folks express concerns about their inability to stock up on extra food due to financial constraints. For those intrigued by the world of food preps or preparedness, they might find themselves diving into online forums, devouring books, and scoring newspapers on the topic. However, these resources often lead to overwhelm as they delve into the nitty-gritty of how much to stock, what kinds of food to hoard, and the intricate art of preservation. Facing this seemingly Herculean task can be intimidating, especially when your wallet is feeling rather light. It's not uncommon to throw in the towel before even embarking on the journey. Guys, and I man, I, I just love this, this, these first two paragraphs because it really encapsulates, I can talk here, uh, a lot of that feeling that, that I think a lot of people have, and it's that overwhelm of where do you get started in prepping. So I think that captured it really well. And if you are new to preparedness, which even in that survey, some people are like, hey, I'm new to preparedness and it's just it's a little overwhelming. Don't get overwhelmed. I mean, the, the big piece here is that you start and you start slowly because you'll hear people that say, and I, I read it again uh, today. It's like, if you're not, if you haven't been prepping for the last five years, you know, five, 10 years, you're, you're too late. And that's a bunch of bull, right? I mean, I believe anything you go out and you buy some extra food, like right now, you've just prepped, you've just, you know, made another step forward. And so that's all it is. It's little consistent steps that get you forward to getting you prepared for the long term. All right. Uh, let me jump off my soapbox there. <laughs> let me just jump back into this article, but fear not. You don't have to splurge on pricey, freeze-dried, long-term food storage, wonders, or nitrogen-packed wheat, or any other extravagant food storage items. While they're a luxury for those with ample funds, many of us must be resourceful with our provisions. In this article, I'll guide you through the essentials of food preps and how to make the most of them. You might come up with additional ideas along the way, but remember, some folks might be starting from scratch. In today's world, it's not unusual to have never laid hands on basic ingredients like flour. So let's kick off the journey there. So flour. Curious about what you can do with a simple bag of flour? Well, let's delve into the world of food preps. With flour in your pantry, you're equipped for a wide range of culinary adventures. First off, consider whipping up some biscuits. All you need is a mix of flour, baking soda, salt, a touch of shortening or a similar fat, and a splash of water. That's Food Preps 101 right there. If you're craving pa pancakes, the recipe is almost identical. Just swap out shortening for cooking oil and add eggs and sugar if they're part of your Food Preps arsenal. What if you're out of baking powder? No worries. You can create tortillas with the basics, flour, salt, and fat. It's as straightforward as it gets in the realm of Food Preps. Now, here's a fascinating twist. Combine flour and water, let the mixture capture natural yeast from the air, and behold, you've got yourself a sourdough starter. While it's helpful to seek advice from a friend or a trusty cookbook, don't hesitate to experiment. You can even craft yeast-less bread using nothing but flour and water. Spice it up with salt, sugar, or any other flavoring you have stashed in your food preps arsenal. Have you ever thought about making a white sauce or gravy with just flour and water? elevates its flavor with a pinch of salt, a dash of pepper, or a medley of your favorite spices. Bouillon cubes are nifty additions for a flavor boost, or you can fashion your own broth from critter bones sourced through your food preps adventures. 
Blend it with flour and you've got yourself a savory sauce. With flour at your disposal, you can embark on culinary journeys making simple cakes, muffins, and cookies. If you happen upon wild berries, use flour to craft a crust. The essential food prep recipe involves flour, salt, fat, and water, and you've got yourself a delightful pie. No pie pan? No problem. Tear off sections of the dough, flatten them by hand, add your chosen fruit, fold and crimp the edges. Now you possess an array of charming personal pies. Sprinkle some sugar or a hint of cinnamon if your food preps collection include those. Feeling adventurous? Mix meat and vegetables to create a hearty pot pie. Season to your heart's content with spices, salt, pepper, or nothing at all. In the world of food preps, creative creativity knows no bounds. If you lack the appropriate pan, simply try an alternative. Recipes abound online or in cookbooks available at your local library. So in the realm of food preps, flour serves as your canvas and the culinary possibilities are as vast as your imagination. Roll up those sleeves and dive into the world of food preps with flour as your trusty companion. All right, guys, we, I mean, there's like five or six things right there just in flour that you could use with very simple preps, right? All right, the next up is sugar. So let's look at this one. Exploring the world of food preps offers a delightful journey where everyday ingredients like sugar, flour, and more come together to craft scrumptious delights. Let's dive into this culinary adventure, shall we? So sweet delights. Sugar, that versatile sweetener, can transform ordinary biscuits or bread into heavenly sweet rolls or muffin-style desserts. But it doesn't stop there. It can also elevate fruit cobblers. Just sprinkle some of on your fruit and whip up a sweet biscuit dough to crown it. Fruit syrups. If pectin isn't in your pantry, fret not. Crafting fruit syrups is a breeze. Simply crush your chosen fruit and gently boil it with sugar. Should you face issues with thickening, a dash of cornstarch can come to the rescue. What about preserving power? Sugar isn't just for sweetening. It's also been used as a preservative. It's a natural inhibitor of bacterial growth. While it's commonly employed to preserve fruit, it can also extend the shelf life of meat. For those keen on learning more, a quick internet search will provide a wealth of information on the topic. All right, from sugar, we're going to jump to rice. So rice, a remarkably versatile staple, can find its place in both sweet and savory dishes. It effortlessly pairs with various ingredients, promising a delightful culinary journey. We're focusing on plain white rice here. While brown rice offers more nutrition and fiber, it comes at a higher cost and has a shorter shelf life due to its oil content, which can't turn rancid unless stored in a freezer. In contrast, white rice boasts an impressive shelf life, provided it remains dry. Furthermore, rice can be ground into flour, although it lacks gluten, making it unsuitable for yeast-type bread. However, it often joins forces with other flours, like potato flour, to create a versatile dough. So let's ex explore a simple pancake recipe. Three eggs, half a cup of milk, one tablespoon of vegetable oil, half a teaspoon of salt, and one cup of rice flour. Here are the directions. Beat the eggs in a mixing bowl, then stir in the milk, vegetable oil, and salt. Whisk in the rice flour until no dry lumps remain. Cover the bowl and let the batter rest at room temperature for an hour or refrigerate it overnight. Heat a lightly oiled griddle over medium-high heat. Drop spoonfuls of batter onto the griddle and cook until bubbles form and the edges are dry. Flip and cook until browned on the other side. Repeat with the remaining batter. Now you can even grind rice without a grain grinder. 
Find a large flat rock with a somewhat smooth surface and another rock about the same size of a soup can that fits comfortably in your hand. Clean these rocks, sprinkle a tablespoon or two of flour on the large rock and grind it with the smaller one. You can push, pull, slide, or make circles as you grind the rice. Your favorite method will emerge as you go along. Alternatively, you can cook rice as grains, opening up a world of culinary possibilities. From fried rice with eggs, onions, and peppers to rice mixed with fruit and Cool Whip, or even as a base for homemade stew with garden vegetables and venison, the options are endless. Consider making homemade tortillas, as mentioned in the flour section earlier. These can be used for burritos, enchiladas, or even like hot pockets with rice, meat, cheese, and or vegetables inside. For a sweet twist, combine rice with pie filling, jam, or jelly, and roll it inside tortillas or crepes. Crepes, those thin, sweet pancakes, can be wrapped around a filling much like a tortilla. Some folks prioritize rice over flour in their food preps as it's incredibly versatile. They can cook up rice and blend it seamlessly with garden or forest vegetables or even a couple of squirrels, creating hearty meals without the need for specific recipes. If this resonates with your food prep strategy, consider stocking up on rice before flour. Its long shelf life and adaptability make it a valuable addition to your culinary repertoire. From rice, we're going to jump to beans. So beans, while not a universal favorite due to their potential gassy aftermath, offer an economical and straightforward source of protein. Much like white flour, white sugar, and white rice, dry beans prove remarkably durable when stored properly. There's an exception to their longevity, though. After approximately a decade, beans may require extended cooking times. We once tried preparing 25-year-old red beans, and while they became soft enough for chewing, they retained a somewhat grainy texture. Different beans have varying cooking times. White beans, for instance, cook relatively quickly compared to their red and pinto counterparts. If time efficiency is a concern, opt for beans with shorter cooking durations. This not only conserves resources such as gas or electricity, but also minimizes your cooking time investment. Now, let's delve into two methods for cooking beans. The first involves soaking them in water overnight, followed by draining, rinsing, and simmering them for a few hours. The second method, born from the occasional forgetfulness of soaking, requires boiling the beans for two minutes, then removing them from the heat for an hour before simmering. Beans, like rice, are versatile. They can serve as a side dish or take center stage in, a, in dishes like chili, baked beans, beans and dumplings, or burritos. The choice of bean type dictates the culinary possibilities. For instance, baked beans often feature white beans, while chili tends to favor red beans, but there's no hard and fast rule. In some respects, beans parallel rice. You can enhance them with meat, cheese, vegetables, or spices, yielding diverse meals. Fruits aren't typically a complementary addition to beans, unless one classifies tomatoes as a fruit, which botanically they are. Leftover beans can be transformed into refried beans with a simple mash and fry. Add onions, garlic, or just salt and pepper for flavor. For an interesting twist, incorporate a touch of salsa. If you have some, a sprinkle of shredded cheese elevates the experience, though it's considered a luxury in the realm of frugal cuisine and is used sparingly and with gratitude. If beans truly don't align with your palate and you anticipate alternative protein sources such as wild game or fish, you may be consider or you may consider omitting beans from your storage plan. Food prep should cater to your preference and dietary needs, ensuring your preparedness aligns with your culinary comfort zones. Um, they didn't talk about it here in this article, but beans can be uh, ground down as well. And so you can use that as flour uh, as well, just like rice. 
All right, so jumping from that, we're going to go ahead and go to salt. So salt, a peculiar essential, holds both a vital role and an optional one in your food preps. While it's technically possible to survive without it, as most foods naturally contain sufficient sodium, having salt on hand is undeniably convenient. Particularly when engaged in strenuous physical labor and sweating profusely, the need for additional salt becomes more apparent. While I don't dwell too much on electrolyte balance, I do make an effort to ensure we're, we're replenishing sodium and sugar along with water during strenuous acti activities. Salt, fortunately, is incredibly affordable. At my last check, store brand salt in a one-pound cardboard can was still priced at 50 cents or less. For those with access to a Costco membership, a 25-pound bag is available for around $3, though I understand that true poverty preppers might not have a Costco card. Unless you have a generous friend who can gift you a bag, remember to reciprocate, perhaps with a cash donation, you'll likely stick to purchasing the one-pound cans. If you require larger quantities, pickling salt is an option, typically available in bigger containers. However, be sure to compare the price per pound. It's worth noting that pickling salt is essentially the same as table salt, different, differing mainly in the coarser texture of its grains. In times of adversity, when others in your vicinity may also rely on emergency rations, salt can become a valuable bargaining tool. It's highly tradable and can secure your other essential foods or goods through barter. If in the realms of food preps, salt remains a humble yet invaluable asset, offering both practicality and versatility for sustenance and trade. They didn't talk about it here in this article. They talked about sugar as uh, you know something that you can use to preserve with, but sugar is going to be more expensive than salt. And they didn't really talk about salt as uh, you know something that you can preserve with, you know, salting meat and, and going that route. Um, but that's probably the route I would take instead of using sugar. Uh, really never heard of using sugar, but you know, I, can, I, can, I guess you could do it. Anyway, so they finished off the article here with some other basics to add. So other basics, when considering your food preps, you might be tempted to splurge on items like macaroni, coffee, and cocoa powder. And if you hit it big, why not? However, before diversifying your storage, let's take a moment to emphasize two often overlooked yet equally essential food items. Powdered milk. Powdered milk earns its place on your list once you've secured the main staples. In long-term scenarios, it serves as a valuable source of calcium, protein, and other essential nutrients. For households with children, it's an early inclusion, fitting comfortably into your monthly rotation of food purchases. Young ones tend to accept powdered milk without complaints, while older individuals accustomed to fresh milk may find it less appealing. Thankfully, its presence goes unnoticed when mixing, mixed into cooked or baked dishes such as desserts or casseroles. Many recipes calling for milk can be prepared using water instead. When baking with powdered milk, I find it more efficient to add the dry milk powder to the dry ingredients and then incorporate the necessary amount of water into the wet ingredients. So cooking oils and shortening. These are the last items I'd categorize as basic. They enhance the flavor and texture of many dishes, making them indispensable for several meal ideas discussed earlier. In times of scarcity, calories and fats become even more crucial in your diet, especially when you're physically active. Whether it's walking instead of driving or engaging in laborious tasks like clearing storm debris or tending to a garden. During such times, prioritize affordability over luxury. Opt for store brand vegetable oil, standard shortening, or even a can of lard if you're not a vegetarian. While we may prefer extra virgin olive oil or coconut oil in better times, practicality takes precedence when preparing for adversity. So here are some storage tips. 
Oil and shortening can turn rancid relatively quickly, so making proper storage crucial. Never leave your oil exposed on a countertop, especially if you're if you don't go through a bottle weekly. A dark cupboard is a better choice as the light is the nemesis of oil. Whenever possible, invest in cooking oil packaged in glass jars, preferably tinted ones. Unfortunately, budget-friendly oils often come in plastic bottles. If you have spare glass jars at home, consider transferring the oil for better storage. Remember the ideal storage spot for oils is dark, cool place with a consistent temperature. Avoid locations where temperature fluctuations, like those in garages or sheds, can occur. These fluctuations can be particularly detrimental to oils and other high-fat foods. While this information may not be an exhaustive guide on storing oil, it's too crucial to be buried within paragraphs discussing various storage containers and places. So whether you're incorporating powdered milk or added nutrients or stocking up on cooking oils and shortening for sustenance during trying times, prioritize these basics to ensure your food preps are comprehensive and adaptable in two various scenarios. It's a shame that there's no real comments here in this um, in this article here. You know, this, I think this is a good one and one that just really kind of lays it out there with not, again, without the overwhelm piece of it, right, where it gives you so much, but it does give you the ideas that you need so you can go out there and start, uh, you know, searching and, and looking for it. And so it makes a lot of sense. When you start stocking up on food, it can be very, very expensive. And so when you start looking at, you know, freeze-dried food, and if you can afford that and you can get some of that, if you can afford it, I do recommend that you do have some on hand. I think it's always good to have some, even if you get like, uh, one of those 72 hour kits that have, you know, uh, meals in there for the family that you could take with you that, you know, in, in a big, bu- in a bucket, you can just kind of grab and go, um, you know, th- legacy foods, uh, sells those and, and mountain house sells those. And so I, I recommend having some of that on hand if you can afford it, but if you can't, like there's a lot of people out there that are having issues with, uh, you know, with with uh, long-term food storage, right? And uh, and, and they want to make sure that they can stockpile food because they know, they feel, they they they're reading about all the craziness that's going on. This article is really like laying down the basics. The pro- one of the big problems is that people don't know how to cook anymore, and so it's going to take a little bit of that, learning that, and then learning some recipes. And so why not? Why not let that be like a hobby, something that you're learning? Maybe you do it with a friend and you invite a friend over on a Friday night and say, hey, let's let's practice making some tortillas or let's practice making uh, some bread or, or some, uh, you know, some fruit pies or, or, you know, whatever it might be. You don't even need to get the fruit at that point. You just use some jam, some grape jam or strawberry jam or whatever. But, you know, you roll out the dough and you make the dough and you do all that kind of stuff. And you've, if you've never done anything like that before. And then you do that and it's successful. I mean, you're, I mean that's, that's a great feeling. And it's not hard. You just need to do it. You just need to practice. Uh, you know, those moms that are out there that just make those great dinners, they did not, they did not just, you know, they were not created with that, right? You, just, you, you learn that from, from years of, of, of working at it and doing it and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, that, that's where we really need to, to be. And I think this is smart because, you know, I'm thinking back to the lockdowns and, and COVID and one of the things that was always missing from the shelf. And maybe if you can think back and you were paying attention to this, you you will remember this as well. I We could never find like cookie dough. Like that was always gone. 
and then like biscuits and cinnamon rolls, the kind of like the Pillsbury kind that you would find. I mean, I was always paying attention to what was not on the shelves and those things were gone all the time. And so you had that, you had the, the convenience foods, like all the uh, 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 chips and stuff like that. Chips were gone all the time. Sodas were gone all the time. Pasta was gone a lot in like spaghetti sauces because people, you know, they knew that at least that they can boil some water, throw some pasta in there and then, you know, throw some, some sauce in there and they can have that. But for the most part, those were the things that a lot of those types of things were gone. You know, you had a lot of the staples that were there. And so if you had those food staples like flour, sugar, salt, and, and rice and beans, and you could cook that, man, I mean, you could live really, really well with that. And the other thing is, is, and they said this in the article, is that those things last a long, long time. All right, so let's dive into a couple of things here. First of all, some key takeaways here. So being on a limited budget doesn't mean that you can't stockpile food. So really, let's, let's get that through our head. You might not stockpile food like if you're, if you're watching YouTube videos uh, all day long and you are reading you know, preparedness articles. You know, one of the things is that you know, the, what, the, what people are going to try to do is get you to buy from their affiliates, right? And so again, and, and I do this as well. I have legacy foods. I like less legacy foods. And that's why I tell you, if you can afford them, you should, ha- you should have some and you, know, you, should, you should go ahead and buy that. But there's going to be a lot of people out there that don't tell you if you can't do all that, then you can still have long-term food storage by focusing on some of these basic staples and learning how to use them. So you focus on the inexpensive staples like flour, sugar, rice, beans, and salt, powdered milk, and cooking oil and shortening. And these will provide those nutrients and calories at a very, very low cost, a fraction of what you can spend uh, on on long-term food storage, right? So flour is very versatile. You can make breads, biscuits, tortillas, gravies, right? I mean, come on. Uh, that's, that's one of those things with a little, you know, making a gravy, I'm going to tell you, just a little bit, you know, of practice there. Um, you, cause you can easily burn it when you're on the stove making gravies, but it's you with the little, again, with a little bit of practice, like my mother-in-law can do it perfectly all the time, but you just need a little bit of practice. You don't want it to burn on the stove and it can very easily burn. Um, so, you know, rice can be ground down into flour. And for those that, you know, not too long ago, well, maybe it was long ago, <laughs> you know how you start to really feel like, man, that wasn't, you know, like four years ago. And like, yeah, it was, I guess it was four years ago. Um, someone said, Hey, I, you know, my wife is, you know, has a gluten allergy and what do we do? We can't find any long-term food storage. And my thing was rice. I mean, you can find, get rice, stockpile rice and get a grinder get a get a grinder that you know an automatic grinder that will grind it down flour for you and then you've got it man you're you're there and so uh beans can also be ground down as well right and 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 use that too Um, when you have rice and you have beans you have that carbohydrate and you have that protein and i know in the article they talked about well if you're going to be hunting and finding squirrels or whatever you know don't worry about the beans but Imagine if everybody and their grandmother was or grandfather was going out and hunting and there was no squirrels or deer or anything to, to get out there, any meat, you would want protein. And so those beans, because they're so easy to store, you know, would be that source for you. Uh, one of the things they didn't talk about here is you could also pressure canned beans. 
and uh, you can maybe use that to cook faster. And also maybe those that were a little older, you could get those to soften up a little bit. But if you had 25-year-old beans and they did taste a little grainy, those would be the perfect ones to grind down, right? And use those for your flour if you need, or if you even if you were like cutting that with regular flour. I'm going to use a little bit of bean flour. I'm going to use a regular, a little bit of regular flour because I got a lot of beans. That's easy to store, but the flour, you know, I don't have as much flour. And so that's something that you could do. Another takeaway is that sugar acts as a preservative, but I'm also going to throw in there that salt does as well. Uh, sugar can be used to make fruit syrups, right? And, and make uh, those baked goods that you're learning how to make with, you know, just a flour and some other little ingredients, throwing a little bit of sugar in there then gets, gives you a sweet, uh, a sweet treat. And who knows? I mean, you got kids and you're having to, you know, survive on your survival food. Um, that or your long-term food storage and you're able to make sweets like that, man, that, that would be a, a really great thing. Uh, beans, again, good source for protein. They can be used in many dishes. Salt provides that essential sodium and can be valuable for bartering. Um, imagine, imagine, you know, the, you always hear those bartering things like, Hey, I'm going to stock up on alcohol and cigarettes and, and, um, all the, all the other things. But imagine like about a 50 cent, a one pound, you know, uh, box of, of of salt and i was able to trade that for for something big right or uh, i was able to to trade that out you know that's one of those things i remember michael bunker always talking about you know just stock up on salt and uh, that would be one of those things that you you would want to add if if you could i think the question was if you if you could stock up on something and you uh you know for shtf what, what would it be and he said salt uh he he brought that up uh, oils and shortening provide needed fats and enhanced flavor. Store properly to avoid rancidity. Um, we can get creative with recipes, right? And the cooking methods, you just got to practice and you, and you can improvise. And the more you practice and the more you have experience with cooking from scratch and using these basic uh, ingredients, the easier it is for you to improvise. The easier it is for you to like, okay, I know that I can do this and, 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 and all that. Um, in this article, they talked about calories and, and practicality over luxuries. One of the things that I always talk about is uh, I, I don't even worry about the calories thing. I mean, I, I'm more about make your menu because when you start getting to, into the calories and like, okay, I need, you know, 2000 calories, but uh, you know, if we're really doing a lot of work during SHTF, you know, and the zombies are coming, we're going to need, you know, like 3,000 or 3,500, you know, calories a day. And oh my gosh, how, you know, how do I do it? That's like overwhelm. And that's where people stop preparing when they get to that point. So my thing is like, focus on food items. You're, you're going to get your calories. Focus on menu items. You're going to get your calories. All right. So some other things to consider as we, as we start to uh, kind of wrap up here, find and perfect some specific recipes that you and your family would love to eat. Right? You don't need a lot. You don't need like the Betty Crocker book of recipes, right? That maybe your mom had and she would bring out every so often. You need like three to five recipes that you can use with flour, right? Or three to five recipes with rice, three to five recipes where you, you're using beans or, you know, cooking them or doing something along those lines, right? And so you use those and you're able to mix and match. And, and once you learn those really, really well, 
then you're able again to improvise and, and kind of go from there. But you start now. Don't do, you know, you don't want to stockpile all this stuff and then like, okay, here's the, we're in the apocalypse and now I got to learn how to cook with this stuff. That's a bad, bad move. Go ahead and start now. You might find that you really like cooking like this and you really incorporate it into your every, every week or every day kind of, uh, you know, method here. Um, think about what spices and herbs you can stockpile that will help season your food differently. So they talked about bouillon cubes here, and that was, that's one of the things definitely that you need to look at. But what about the other spices and herbs? They mentioned Costco, but sometimes you can go and you can find spices and, and, and different herbs, you know, uh, for cheap, they'll run a sale at your grocery store and you can stockpile some of those too. Um, what about the herbs that you could grow? If you have a little bit of a garden, or even if you have some container pots, what kind of herbs could you grow to help uh, season the, you know, like your rice and your your beans and things like that? Um, what could you add to your long-term food storage if you had a garden or you could uh, supplement with hunting or fishing or along those lines? So, you know, that's always one of those things. You have your food storage, but then you can supplement. And so you can have your long-term food storage with your basic supplies like, okay, I know that I'm going to be gardening. I know that you know if I can, I'm going to be hunting or fishing and I'll be adding to that. So one of the things about stocking up with the, these basic supplies is that you can have that long-term food storage without all the extra stuff, right? And what I mean by stuff is all that stuff that we talk about, the extra long, you know, the, the stuff that can store on the shelf for a long time. So rice you, you don't need to change it out of the packaging. I mean, you can, I mean, and, and it's advised that you do, especially for long-term food storage, but you don't necessarily have to. And same thing with beans. You don't necessarily have to. One of the reasons why we talk about, um, you know, putting it in Mylar bags and, and, and things like that is, of course, to make sure that we take it out of the elements and, and all that kind of stuff, but it's also to manage the critters. If, if you know, a, a bag of rice can just from the grocery store can last a long time on your shelf without anything else just in that packaging. Your beans can last for a long, long time on your shelf just with that packaging. But again, we do recommend that you uh, that you, you put it in some kind of bucket. So for instance, maybe you, you don't do the Mylar bags and the oxygen absorbers inside of a, a big five gallon bucket, but you do go to a bakery that, you know, is, you know, Walmart or a grocery store that has a bakery or whatever it might be. And they're giving away their buckets of, you know, icing and dough and all the other junk that they get. And so sometimes they even clean them out for you. Sometimes they might charge you a dollar or whatever, but I mean, I've gotten some of these for free. And so you go and you're like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm on a low income. I'm trying to find some buckets that I can use. And they'll give you those buckets and then you just clean them out and you can put those, put that rice, put the beans in there in the packaging from the grocery store and then seal them up. That keeps the light out that keeps, you know, which is an enemy of food storage that keeps the critters out, right? That would the enemies of food storage. Cause you don't want them infesting your, your long-term food storage. And so, you know, that would be one of those things that you can do now again, again, I do suggest get the Mylar bags and the oxygen absorbers if you can. But we're talking about prepping on a low income and you know not having a lot of money. And so if you can't do that, this will work. All right. One of the things that people always talk about when we're talking about long-term food storage is food fatigue. 
right? And this is again why I think you need different recipes, but I don't think you need a, the big Betty Crocker cookbook. I think you need three to five recipes here and you can cook these things in different ways. And again, the more experience you have, the more you can improvise and you can and you can use it. You can do a lot with flour. If you got flour, you can do a lot with it. Rice and beans, you can you can do a lot with it, especially if you're able to start grinding it, right? But you won't be making food in isolation. So I think that's one of those things that you need to be that you need to remember. There will be other things going on in the world that will take your attention. So, you know, when people talk about food fatigue, I can imagine they're thinking, okay, I'm watching TV. Now I got to eat. Oh, what do I want to eat? Uh, I got to eat the same stuff that I ate yesterday, right? This is like Groundhog Day, you know, with, with, with food. But the thing is, is that when, if you were truly into the, your long-term food storage and you were really in a situation, there's going to be so many things going on that you're not really going to be thinking about food fatigue. You're going to be like running in, like, do I get to eat today? right? Like, do, do I, do I get to eat? Uh, you know, how much of a, of a portion do I get? And uh, I always kind of go back to, to Mick, Mick Rowland's uh, podcast. You got to go check it out. Siege of New Hampshire. Right. And one of the things that when, when they always talk about food is it's like, you know, this, this little meal here, there's never seconds. And so I don't, you know, if you really think about it, you're going to be busy. You might be in the garden. You might be helping a neighbor. You might be patrolling. You might be working guard duty. You might be dealing with sanitation. You might be cleaning. You might be taking care of kids. And then, you know, you get to eat at some point and you're not going to be sitting there like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, just like, you know, the Israelites coming out of Egypt, manna burgers and, you know, manna, manna corn dogs and, and, and manna pancakes and manna biscuits. You know, it's like, no, you're going to eat and again, try to a good cook can spice things up and can and can make things go a, a long ways. But I don't think that's going to be the big deal, right? People talk about that in good times, food fatigue. I mean, I get food fatigue now sometimes when I just, you know, living in 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 decent times, right? We're not we're not in SHTF. Uh it's easy to get that. All right, so uh let's completely wrap this up and then we'll go ahead and and close this one out. Food security is crucial. Just some final thoughts here. Food security is crucial. We don't know what it is to really go hungry in this nation. Or if you're listening and you're in a, I know people listen from all over the world, and you're in a first world nation, we really don't know what it is to go hungry, right? But we don't want to find out if we can help it. If we can help it, we really want to make sure that we can do everything that we can. And I think right now, if you're, uh, if, if you work at it, I think you can get it right. Don't be overwhelmed. You just start step by step, set a little plan, set a little goal, start moving and, and, and start getting things done. Uh, second thing is being prepared empowers you. So any preparation, anything that we do here right now today, and, and again, I, I talked about this at the very beginning. Some people say, like, if you haven't been prepping now, forget it. You're, you're a goner. I think that's a bunch of hooey. If any movement you can make now for your preparedness is, is a, another option that you had to, to give you, uh, you know, a, a better chance, whatever that might be. So being prepared empowers you. It says that you're thinking future forward and it gives you options. It gives you being prepared, gives you options. Imagine being in a situation and maybe you can, maybe you've been there. Maybe you were there during, during COVID where you didn't have any options. Uh, and you're like, this is it. This is all we get. But when you're prepared, you have a whole bunch of options. 
And then knowledge is power. So providing specific knowledge on maximizing inexpensive ingredients gives people life-saving skills for self-reliance. Again, you go to the grocery store and you don't have all those other things that are there at the grocery store, but there's flour, there's sugar, there's salt, there's rice, there's beans, there's some spices and some herbs on, you know, on the shelves and you can grab those and you can make some decent meals from that, you know, with, with your family. And so everything that you can do to learn and, and to, and to move forward and, and make them part of your skill set and preparedness is a big thing. It's very powerful. All right. So guys, that's it for episode 799. I, I can't believe we're at 799 already. That's kind of nuts to me. Um, and really, honestly, we're over that um, because I don't count all the other ones. The, I, I count like the, the one that I put out in the beginning of the week. That's like the official episode. All the other ones, devotionals and all the other prep ones that I had thrown in there in the past weren't uh, really considered uh, episodes, or at least I didn't consider them episodes, although sometimes they were just as long. But anyway, we're at 799, and uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, there are some of you that have been with me since the very beginning, and I just want to thank you so much. And I want to, those that, and I'll probably, maybe I'll talk about this in the next next episode, episode 800. Um, there's some of you that that listen to the episodes, like the, the newest one, and then you go backwards and listen to the to all the older ones. And I apologize for, <laughs> for how sucky I was at the very beginning, but uh, man, for, for listening to all those, uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. I, I greatly appreciate you. All right, guys, if you found this episode valuable, I would appreciate a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you haven't subscribed, make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Pepper Goodness. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.